Well, we're moving into our, uh, settling into our house. If you were watching the stream here, you could see that I don't have a um, bogus setup like I have the past few episodes. It's actually pretty good. The lighting, of course, since it's dark here, is a little spooky. I don't have a flight in front of me, but whatever. However, I don't. I forget if I mentioned this, but when we moved in, the uh, the previous owners they had built a lot of shelves uh, in various rooms because you know, I don't know how it is and uh, all of uh, Europe, but I think m most of the houses in this area of the world, they don't really like build closets into their, their, uh, their domiciles. So they build a bunch of shelves to put things. Anyways, we didn't want the shelves. They were perfectly fine, but we, we wanted to go another way as they say. And uh, we also had everything painted because when you, I think I mentioned this, when you buy a house here, they don't actually like clean it up. Uh, you just like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, they clean it up, but it's not like in the States, you know, when you sell a house, you like paint everything and, and, and gen maybe it's not like that in Austin now, but like, you know, you yeah. kind of like fill I in the holes. It, I think in Austin, as long as it's not on fire, it's going for a million. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that is on fire anyways. But, uh, so, you know, we had it painted, whatever to get to the end of it. Now we have a lot of piles of wood around the house from these former shelves. Cause they, they were, they were not like, you know, Ikea shelves. They were like, we got, let's go to the hardware store and buy some lumber and build the shelves. So like there's some primo two by fours, some really um, nice. That so I'm you actually took out else. nice shelves. Well, the, <laughs> they, their construction and the materials. I mean, it, it wasn't just like, you know, particle board that was manufactured to fit together into a shelf. It was like, let's get some two befores and then some big slats. They call them slats, big planes of wood and uh, whatever. So but we got all this wood hanging around. And like, this is week three, I think. And the wood is still here. We put a posting of the wood on the, the, ne the version of the Netherlands Craigslist is called like market plots or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm mispronouncing it, I'm sure. But uh, uh uh, and no one wants the wood, you know, we're trying to give it away. So my question to you two is now I've already saved some of the choice two by fours that I want to keep. Cause like, I feel like, I feel like if there's good two by fours, you keep those right. You know, why? And, I don't know. Cause it's just like, <laughs> cause like, do you have a workshop Cote? Are you, you know, do you have saws? I, I, and, I, you know, and, there, there's, there's some wood. I mean, the only time I have ever needed wood is when I didn't have it. Right. And so I just want to have like a baseline of a, of a wood pile. You know, at my grandpa's house, he just had wood everywhere. So if you needed to do something, he had wood. Right. And he just stockpiled it. Now, I'm not stockpiling it, but we have like a little hidey hole somewhere where I could put some some was, planks. Was he a beaver? <laughs> no, not that I know of. It's a little too late to check. But uh, anyways, my question is, we got this other wood that we need to get rid of and like how 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 should i get rid of this wood what do i do i mean well, I, I i mean first i, I, I was just it I was doesn't just looking, fit in the trash cans but i was mm. just looking at the uh the mark you know lumber has been an incredibly high demand so i feel like you know the, it's not mm. about getting rid of this it's a marketing it feels like, problem feels like you should be you know selling this off at heavily discounted mm. of course but mm. there must be somebody out there that uh that needs lumber that well, is, but, but, but you've the, tried this and, and no one no takers like free pick up at the uh but the, the market, the, porch. the the market plots has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go free though? You went one hundred percent free. Pick up on the porch. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty or what much. about this? Is this appropriate in your neighborhood? Can you just put it out there on the curb and uh, write <sighs> the, the Dutch sign free? Like, I don't know how to translate that, but I'm sure you could, right? Yeah. Just put free? Can you do yeah, that you or know, is that looked down upon? That, you know, so so we've moved down to, uh, I always say it wrong. And I, I know two ways of saying it, and I pick the wrong way to say it, but it's Dwyvendrecht, uh, or I probably said it wrong there, but... It's like, you know, a little, little, uh, little enclave pocket community village, right? Right. Uh, surrounded by Amsterdam and another city, basically. And, um, there's this very nice down here. There's two problems so far in this town. One, uh, and, and it, it will, it will come out as a very weird problem. And it's not obvious unless like you kind of have lived here for a while is like, there is almost nowhere to put your bike, which like, when I say that out loud, Talking about the Netherlands, you're like, I don't believe that's the case, but it's just like, it's really hard to find a place to put bikes versus up in uh, Vadergrasmeer in Amsterdam. It's just like, it's just everywhere. They put, the city builds bike racks right in front of your wait, house. Wait, wait a second. So there's nowhere to put your bike. There's parking everywhere. Did you move to Little America? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 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 There's, there's lots of hot dogs. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. Little America. Did they have that or was it just Little Britain that they had? Uh, <laughs> it was oh, i don't remember anymore i'm pretty sure it was just little britain anyways yes so so that's an issue so you have to be very creative or own a place to put your bikes but that is a strange mystery but then the other thing is yes brandon up in amsterdam your solution would have totally worked it is basically just like haul your lumber next to the trash cans that have a big sign in dutch that says don't put your bulky trash here and be like, ah, one of the first things you learn about the Dutch is that sign is for other people, not me. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> like, <little> Australia there, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the secret is it's a little everywhere, uh, more or less. It's like the old thing, you know, if you don't like the weather anywhere, just wait and it'll change unless you're here. Just wait and it may stop raining is, <laughs> is this basically what you got. But uh, actually, the rain here is pretty psychotic. Um, or schizophrenic. I don't know. That would mean the rain doesn't know it's rain and it thinks it's something else, not that it comes and goes. But uh, normally you could just haul the lumber out there and stick it there. And, and it actually is kind of a service, right? People could take pictures of it or, or they could uh, like take the lumber if they wanted. But like, I don't think you can do that here. I think this is like a nicer neighborhood. You yeah. can't just haul the lumber out. And you have an HOA? I know you're in America. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't we don't have an HOA, but you do since you live like you know multiple people in the same building. You have like uh, it's not it's not that kind of HOA. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, you know pay for so the roof. One of the suggestions from the chat, and I think uh, people that follow you on Instagram would know uh, what this means is: uh, could you build a chair out of it, Cote, and then yes. discard it, and then throw it that, away? And that because that is uh, one of your one of that your ongoing good... Instagram. Uh, I don't know what we call it a meme or just a. Uh, just, I don't know what a, it is. A project, a theme. Project? I don't, yes. I, th I think. I think what I would want to do. Okay, I'm going to explore this this theory. I think I would want to because I'd want to do it all in one go. I would build a really big chair, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then maybe I would break a leg off of the chair and put it out, mm. and that might work. I don't know. I mean, in truth, I think what I can do is you can call. You can you can either take it to the dump that they have. Or you can pay like 30 euros to schedule them to come uh, pick it up or something, which is probably what I should do. But I don't know. It's well, let me just throw this out. If you get that this this lumber to Austin, Texas, I can move it for you and make a little profit. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, that's probably the most cost effective solution is that. 
but yeah, just throwing it good. out, you know, if that's what you want. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I can uh, ship it like one little bit at a time. I don't know that. I mean, now the cost, you know, maybe if I did it in envelopes mm-hmm. and you reassemble it on your end, that that might work. Maybe th- maybe this is a new giveaway. Hey, not only will we send stickers, stickers. to you for free, but <laughs> we will send you part of a two by four. Uh, or I don't know, maybe it's a metric there. I don't know. Does it like whether it be centimeters yeah. or something? We'll send <laughs> you uh, some type of uh, lumber along with it. It's a, it's a new promotion to increase listenership. <laughs> Autographed by me. This episode is brought to you by Strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com sdt. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, uh, I, I need to, you know, I've got another question. We didn't really quite solve the lumber issue, although I think it helped me talk through it. Like, I think I, need, I remembered there actually is some bulk trash pickup and uh, I might have some other options uh, for the lumber. I'm going to look into uh, getting a container, maybe ship it back to Austin put it in my storage, just store that. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need a good lumber yeah. pile. Yeah. You always need a good piece of wood. And, uh, uh, but I've got another thing that I need to figure out if I need to start worrying about. It. And I saw, now I use one password. I don't know if that's giving away too much and tomorrow my life is going to change because I've been hacked or something. But, uh, <laughs> so I use that, but I've seen that they're switching it to something called Electron or something and that people are confused. Now, I see this Electron thing come up and I have never really done the research to see what it is, but people seem to not like it. I don't I don't know if I've ever read someone saying they like Electron and they more are weary of it. Like what what is this Electron thing? Is that like the the metaverse or something? Is that why people don't you're, like it? You're mighty close. You're mighty close. I mean, just like the metaverse, they want to bring uh, all the things to all the people wherever they are. Um, so, so Electron is a uh, it's a programming framework for creating native applications on any platform. Wow! Right. So, so just like you got those, uh, you know, write once, run anywhere kind of things. You got the promise of Java, uh, the promise of uh, I guess Java is it. Um, but Electron, what they want to do is you write your app for Electron and it runs on you know Linux, Mac OS, Windows, just mm. fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I guess what's the most popular things out there are probably Slack. like... You're using Slack right now. That's an Electron yeah. app. Well, I was getting there. It's, oh, it's not the most popular. A lot of people oh, hate it. what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean it's not the most popular? No, it, it, most it, popular. it probably is. By the desktop count, it's probably Slack has the most Electron users. I was going to start with uh, Visual Studio hmm. Code. Because um, like, that's, yeah, that's but, where they got. Started. Right. But the real the huh, de- huh. decision here, the, I think this is why this makes so fascinating, is the quick history is 1Password started in the Mac world. So there was basically a Mac native app, iPad, or iPhone. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Looking at their website, I now hate it. Teams. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
but the history here is that's where they came from. That's their heritage. And that's where they, I think, you know, built a strong following. And now the company's just on fire. It's doing phenomenal, right? They raised more money and they're worth like a billion dollars. And over the time, right, they've had to add support for Android, Windows, and everything else. And this is a classic software uh, dilemma. It's like, well, now that they have to support all of these platforms, right, the decision is, do you try to maintain native applications for each platform, which is its own set of cost-benefit analysis, or do you do what Electron, you know, the, the whole idea around Electron is that basically you package it up using, you know, very popular web technologies, and then that app will be essentially the same, you know, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, you know, write once, run anywhere across all of the platforms. And it will have a consistent user interface for the app, even though it won't necessarily be consistent with the user interface guidelines of the given platform. Right. So they have chosen and they've announced that they're going to Electron. Now, for us as end users, you know, because 1Password, the official password manager of Software Defined Talk, wish they were a sponsor, but no. Uh now we're all going to be forced to upgrade. So, so that's, and I think that's where a lot of the 1Password old time users, right, are very upset. They're like, we do not want an Electron app. And their main complaint is it'll be slightly different, but then most people feel like Electron <laughs> is a memory hog and is, you know, it consumes a lot of unnecessary resources mm -hmm. to run these apps locally. I so see. I think that's, that's our decision. Like, how would we decide whether or not you go native? Or you go to this universal app approach. Mm. Wow, I think you know. I think you just you 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 uh, you just write once, run one place. That's 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 always best. So you're and going electron. You're saying go electron. No, 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 no. Like you write you write one thing per one platform. So ah, you might have separate apps. One place. Yeah. yeah, go native. Yeah, yeah. Right, native yeah. apps for each platform. So, so you're, you're going to hire a different development team for each platform. Yeah, I mean, what are we talking about? Like $2 million a year in salary? And then plus, let's pile in another million for just like rigmarole and nonsense do, do, and risk. I mean, I mean, I know 1Password is, is a unicorn, but do they need to spend, you know, $10 million a year supporting five platforms? Yeah. <laughs> the math is easy. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if you're in software, metaphors to software are always bad. So let me start not in a metaphor. It's just like, I mean, that's your product. Like, that's the thing you're selling. Like, it's one thing if it's just like, you know, I don't know. This is some ancillary thing to how we run the business. But if that's your product, then like, it should be given a lot of attention. And in comparison, to use a metaphor, uh, if you look at like the uh, the terrible cars of our childhood, they were and and even into uh, the '90s and maybe even today to sound like an oldies station, uh, like they're all kind of just variations on the same thing. Like when I, you know, maybe it's just because I'm cynical, but whenever I look at like a uh, uh, like a, like a Lexus, like a mm -hmm. fancy old Lexus, I'm just like that's like a Camry, right? Like it's yeah. the same thing. And so it like is. exactly, so it's like this is just a Camry with leather seats. And, and like, <laughs> well, so, so, so no, so but you're taking the, the electron view, right? So, so Toyota has like two frames, right? I know, you but either my, get my, the truck frame or the car frame and everything else is built on top of that frame. And that's, electron I, mean, I mean, okay. So, so we could also take the business standpoint, just from a, from a quality of product, like standpoint, I would want it to be just, you know, different cars, like other than just, I'm getting like a trim package and like a cool ad like for Christmas, like the Lexus event of the season with the bow on top and all that <laughs> shit. And like, 
it just seems like if you're a software company and you're valued at whatever and things are going great, like you just like you uh, you spend the money for like a native app so that you have all the advantages right. of it. Well, let me go. Let especially, me especially if you're Slack. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake. Right. Like that's <laughs> like you have you have enough money to build towers in San Francisco. Like it, you should be cool. Right? <laughs> but I think, Kote, let's just change. I, I agree with you. And I think maybe we just slightly reframe it a little bit and say. What I think is happening here is the classic, you know, we're getting big. And, and for the record, let me correct myself. One password now worth $2 billion. Okay. So it's, they raised a hundred million dollars at $2 billion. So, Got antlers. so what you're seeing here though, I think is this classic idea of like, you know, that often gets like caught up internally where people will say, and they have written a very long blog post about why they made this decision. So they have, it's not like they're, they haven't engaged the community and everyone can read it. What's in the show notes. But I think what's going on here is this classic inside out thinking, right? And you see that this is what happens at any company. You get to a certain success and everyone in the room sits like, it would make a lot more sense because our app is the center of the universe, right? And we want our app to be consistent across all of these platforms and it will be cheaper for us and easier for us to maintain going forward. So it's all inside out. And I think the point that they miss here is what has made OnePasser great, in my opinion, is they had this attention to detail to a very, I think and when they started, a problem that people thought was really, really small, but they figured it out and applied incredible engineering discipline and design to solving this problem, right? Yeah. And it got yeah. so popular, that's what made them successful. And now they sort of have forgotten that in my mind. They just don't understand that like the reason people love it is like it is a native app on the specific platforms. It works really well. They thought through all the weird things that the Mac does or the Windows does, and they figured out how to make it work really well on each one of those platforms. And I think to me, that's like the key to this success. And I, but I think this is where when you get so big, you just, again, like you just forget that. You forget like that is why we're successful, that we took more attention to details of this problem than almost anyone in the world would have done it. LastPass tried, not as good. Many other people put out a password manager that wasn't really that great. And now here they are, right? This is the moment where they sort of like are deserting that uh, in favor of like, well, we can just make more money and people will eventually just adopt it, which may be true. Maybe they're big enough, but this is sort of when I think yeah. they are going from young startup, passionately solving a problem to run by a fin- financial machine, losing sight of what made them great. So that would be my yeah. take on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's putting going to the other side. It's like a lot of these things, right? Like the, 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 they're, they're successful enough and enough people use them. And it's also kind of like not that big of a deal that they'll switch over to doing it. People like me and others will complain for like, I wouldn't have even complained unless I knew I was supposed to complain, but there'll be people, be people who are upset and then they'll forget about it. And then they'll have that cost savings and everything will be fine. <laughs> like, it's just well, like, there's not really like, like the, uh, like what I'm trying to think like the only, you know, the other, the other little case study here, which is probably, it's not good a good one-to-one comparison because there's all sorts of problems. But like, I think Evernote went through a similar thing. Now Evernote's got all sorts of other problems, but like they had a big, uh, a big post at some point where they were like, we decided that we're going to write, you know, native apps for each platform because it's just a better way of doing things than not. And so they went through some thinking to figure that out. And it's true. Like, you know, there, there, there is a downside, like using Evernote on windows was actually, 
a more featureful experience and looked and felt much different than using Evernote on Macs versus using it on the phone. Yeah. And so, you know, never minding the cost, there's also like inconsistency and weirdness amongst platforms. You have this with Office most famously, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah. Excel on uh, Mac OS is always, Office I mean, I don't know. 2008 if, till I die. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you ever try to look up how to do something in Excel and you're on a Mac. Oh, oh that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, but, you're hunting in the menus and you're like, oh, wait, this is for the Windows version of Excel. And so that's. But, uh, yeah. But, 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 but. If, if people are constantly jumping, you know, from their iPad to their Windows box to, you know, their uh, Steam OS, you know, mm-hmm. you want to have the same experience across all these platforms. And maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. Electron's good enough, right? Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Look maybe. At Matt. Matt's just like, I don't know. From I, private I just, equity. Look at Matt Ray. Just, oh, uh, yeah, I, you know, private equity was in here. It's just good well, enough. Well, you know? because, because one no. password. Why don't, you know, well, why don't we go to the next step? Why even make it an app? We'll just, well, they could just use the website. That's the next part of this journey. Oh, it's like, just keep the website. That is, let me tell you, that's coming. People, you don't want to believe it. But it'd be like, why are we bothering with this? We can well, just use the website. But that's what Electron is. It, it's, it's. Right, but it's, this is the next uh, step where you go to. You said, like, I'm not even going right? to have an app. I'm just going to have people use the website. I don't understand why they need it, right? And this will always be made by people that don't actually use the application, right? They're like, <laughs> see, it's so perfect. We just have a website, and that's all we have to maintain. And then suddenly the app is total shit. Everybody it, hates it. I don't see why people are getting all excited about UIs. All we need is some curl. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just passwords and tokens. Come on, people. How hard could it be? You should just be able to generate those on your own and and know know what to do with them. That's that's true. Well, I guess I guess you know the conclusion we've come to is good business decision, and uh, maybe even some good. Uh, <laughs> I, user I don't know. I, I think we we've argued both sides, and uh, good luck, have fun. But, the, but you know, to to the uh, you know to 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 the ultimate like point, I think is like it's not like I'm going to go use LastPass or something like. <laughs> Although I did see, I did see that the uh, the Apple Keychain thing maybe now supports Windows or something, which which is nice. I think the last time back when I was at the height of my uh, uh, my the uh, annual check in for the defaults lifestyle, I was like, maybe I should just use the Apple Keychain stuff because you know it's there. And uh, but then I realized it doesn't like it only like stores passwords, like it doesn't store all sorts of other stuff that are useful. And so it I don't I don't think that'll work. It's not good, but it would be nice just to have that. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's C-B-T Nuggets dot com slash sdt there you can sign up for the seven day free trial which gets you full access to all their courses you know i look through there and i'm always wanting to learn python more 
And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, there's a few other things that were happening uh, over the week. There's a big half billion dollar acquisition of a of a monitoring company. I'm not sure I've heard of by Cisco, which is great. Like I, I you know, there was a time when I was an analyst that I, I followed really closely uh, Cisco building up a systems management business, and I haven't checked in on that in a long time. But they're always buying stuff. I, I, I should know what's going on over there more, you know. When I have the spare capacity to, to at Epsigon, when you when you're done moving lumber, you can go figure out what, what it was that Epsigon did. Moving lumber, uh, but you know, I'm sure it's great. They look like they help out with microservices. I was babbling on today in in my little uh, Tanzu Talk stream about uh, a theory that I think we've developed here over the years. That every time there's a uh, a change in the stack, a change in the programming model. Uh, or the infrastructure, you just, for whatever reason, more or less, you're going to have to get totally new monitoring tools. Well, because uh, old it. stuff is is old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for whatever reason, I think we've, we, I forget what we, I'm sure we came up with some name for this theory, but the old stuff just eventually stops evolving and you just have to uh, do, do but, some, a rewrite. But to this end, Kote, if I just asked you beforehand, I was like, you know, do you think AppD, does AppD monitor uh, serverless cloud-based systems and do micro tra- or tracing across microservices for cloud-based yeah. applications. If I just said to you, like, do you, does AppD do that? Like, I, I would, would have answered, so. like, yeah, not, yeah, I think it does. I'm pretty sure it does something like that. Yeah. And so that the marketing is the description. That's the description <laughs> of is it Epsigon? And I'm yeah. like, man, I totally think AppD already does this. So I mean, I don't. This is back to like maybe I've just been away from it and haven't you know, yeah. done the free trial in a while, but. I can only imagine the political uh, fallout of this acquisition. Like, I, I think it does it. You got to think the AppD people are like, either we already do this or yeah. we have this on the roadmap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. They're just rounding out the roadmap. And they're like, uh, welcome to your new management team. <laughs> do you think Epsigon yeah. was like, they acquired us for our culture. We're going to change Cisco. Do you think they had that kind of uh, meeting? It's like, well, they really wanted us for the culture. <laughs> and they're expecting us to bring in. They want us to shake it up and do things differently. And uh, we're going to use Agile, and that's why Epsigon's going to change. I, that, that's always the first question I have. Yeah, like, you wow. think this is a, a culture transplant for Cisco? Yeah, probably for 500 million Cisco's, they're pretty much going to completely culture transformation through Epsigon acquisition. I mean, Maybe Epsigon, that's what's going to happen. They're, they're big on the, uh, the DevOps and microservices scene. <laughs> so uh, related to that, you know, I, that's, we got a little coverage there. But speaking of stacks changing, I thought we'd, for this, we should do our continuing series, Ask Matt Ray What K-Native Is, and uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of explore that more and, uh, you know, kind of figure it out. Because I have been, you know, I've been studying up on it. And I was, yeah. we were talking before we were recording that I think I, I finally, I watched the demo of the license plate identification thing that Trigger Mesh worked on with my company. Yep, yep. I get it. You got a, you got, you know, to use my old, old person terms, you got a, you got a bus going on again. It's on new <laughs> infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Just, you know, it's, it's just like, that's, it's, that's your metaphor that works for you. Okay. It's better that it's better than the previous way. It runs yeah. on a new stack. It has new yeah. programming models, right? But yep. you, uh, events are being generated. Things are listening for them and consuming them. You might want to transform them around. And then All you right. have kind of like a metaphorical central thing, whether it's a uh, 
I don't think we're calling it a fabric this time, a bus or a fabric or where, where the where the Epsagana service buses. <laughs> yeah, what did they what did they call it back in the 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 genie days when like oh, in the geez. around the two thousands? It wasn't a fabric, a bus, or uh, it was it was like a table or a space. They had a metaphor of like a broker. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which. You know, I'm not being demeaning at all. Like this, this is uh, uh, it's it's make it's making me realize I need to go read uh, Urquhart's book about like what an event based architecture architecture is. Yeah, yeah, because it all makes sense. So it's cool. So I didn't come to talk about that in detail, but you got that part of what K Native is, and I think I think that is where the notion, like three or four years ago when it was launched, that it's a serverless architecture, right? Because basically, if you're doing serverless, you're doing like event based stuff more or less. And so, like, it allows you to do that. But now, so we got that, which is fine. And I, it makes the name of uh, Trigger Mesh a good name for a company because you've got triggers. Yes. And you got a mesh. So that's Not to cool. be confused with the service mesh, but yes. No, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be a, uh, a publisher fabric. That's, that's not, not what you want to go for. So yeah. that's cool. Uh, and, uh, but then I, I, you know, there's another part of Knative that I keep encountering that's basically like we are going to deploy your stuff into Kubernetes without you having to get your hands dirty with Kubernetes. Yes. And like that's the part that I'm a little like, like this seems maybe like a little bit like, I don't know, like kimchi and peanut butter trying to Ooh. exist together, which actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> but like there, you know. How do these things need to go together, Matt Ray? How are they? And I think there's even a third thing that I'm leaving off. Like, it seems like Knative has evolved into like there, an there interesting was. Yeah. bundle of stuff. Yeah. So, so, so Knative is, um, there used to be the third component, which was, uh, kind of the, the CICD triggers part. And that spun off as Tecton. Um, oh, so, right. so Tecton is the thing that, you know, when code gets committed, it kicks off a bunch of jobs that do stuff to that code. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that, that kind of a CICD GitOps thing happening over there with Tecton. That used to be mm-hmm. part of Knative. I um, see. But right, okay. right now, the, the two main components of Knative are serving and uh, eventing. And, and serving is when people talk about like straight up Lambda. You know, I have a, a you know, a build pack, a piece of code, maybe a container, and when something happens, my thing spawns, you know, one or more of these functions. And and Knative's not uh-huh. specific about the function as a service. So you can run, there's lots of different flavors of tools you can put on it, but all they have to do is like dump stuff into Kubernetes to be oh, okay. serverless. I see. So that's, I see. So that's the Knative bit. So I mean so that, a, that's the like lambda equivalent. Okay. Okay. So, so in an event-based system, events fire and then actions occur. I'm putting this in the passive voice on yeah. purpose. Actions occur based on events firing, right? Like you get more complicated, but like some, something like, you know, uh, and so, so then you would think like, okay, so in a, in a, if I'm doing this in a Kubernetes way, if, if I want an action to occur, that action must exist and so yep. therefore I need to build into my, my K native framework bootstrapping. I don't know if kids say that anymore, but like getting, getting the action up and running, which means now I need to have a, uh, basically I need to have a system that talks about how I take some code 
or maybe Re- even a, a maybe it starts... a resource and listeners and all that. Right, right. But basically, I need right. to I, I need to take an app and I need to have all the stuff to get it up and running in Kubernetes, right? And then and then you've got like at that point you're kind of sort of building like some of the parts of just like installing stuff and deploying stuff into Kubernetes and like oh, yeah. managing that. Yep. And then maybe that's where I'm getting distracted. Is it sort of like like is this a general purpose way to like deploy things or is this Well, some people specific? are like, hey, you know what? We could do this. You know, every yeah, time somebody yeah. encounters Kubernetes, they're like, I could do anything with this. I'm going to do yeah, anything yeah, with yeah. this, right? And so people are like, I could replace Heroku with Knative. And you're like, you could, I guess. <laughs> right, 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 right. It, Boy, it, would, it would be some, some, very, some very low level building blocks to like layer on all, all of this type of stuff. But but yeah. hence the advertising and the advertising, the kind of mentioning in the K-native world that like we simplify deploying your applications to Kubernetes. Trying to, yeah. Right, Definitely. right, right. right. Matt, and, and as long as they're simple applications. Yeah. I was going to say, right. Matt, but help clarify, I think for all of us, because I, I, I just, let's even go one step simpler. It's like the state of just infrastructure as code today. So if I just oh, that's had a like different a, conversation. I know, slightly, <laughs> but I think, but I think this all comes back to like, how do I package up the thing and get it deployed so that it could be obviously it could be a serverless function or something else. So the the thing I guess I keep coming back to is like start with like you're very basic, right? Well, Terraform seems to be the de facto. I just want to do some infrastructure deployment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I want to like, for example, say I wanted to have an application that could respond to requests, right? Now I could also use Terraform to like provision the server and also provision the application. But then yep. people wave that off and say, that's your old job, right? That maybe I should be using something like a puppet, a chef, an Ansible to do that, well, that's, right? Yeah, on the OS, yeah. But that, 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 that line in itself, like what is, how should some, and, and then just to throw out the third option would be, well, other people say, don't even bother with that. Just package up your own container, right? Mm-hmm. Have, inf- have a, a server provision there via... Um, Terraform, and then just throw the container on there running it, right? Which would sort of like get you out of having to necessarily use like a puppet chef to configure that application, right? So what's the state? Like, what is the recommendation today of all these different ways to do it? How does someone navigate, you know, this kind of like three different tools that you could potentially use to do, I just want to get my (laughs) app up and running? Well, it, it depends, you know, how, where the app was when you got there, right? If If it's a brand new app, you probably want to be as Kubernetes native as you can. And right. I'm not saying that because like I'm the biggest Kubernetes fanboy. I'm like selling the state of the voice. industry today. See you later, chef. I'm moving on, buddy. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the whole point to like, yeah. Okay. So the state of the industry today is, look, if you're building something new, you want it to be as stateless and 12-factor app as you can, right? right. Because the benefits of Kubernetes are you're going to be able to run this thing anywhere no matter what, and, you know, whatever. It's, it's you know, that's the cloud native way to do things. And <clears throat> as far as configuration management goes, that's usually if you have to deal with something that's already existing and you have to deal with operating systems. And, um, you know, you want to stay away from operating systems as you can. I mean, the whole point really is to, to get away from having to manage state. At, at the end of the day, that's what you, you want to get away from. Right. An operating so to just make this state. very tangible then, if we can do it, if we can get away from management yes. state and we can build ourselves a container here yep. and that's the way we should go. 
That's absolutely, that's absolutely. Our, our Cause, end goal. Cause, you know, cause then when, when your app dies, it can be replaced with, you know, 10 or, you know, with 10 different versions or, you know, 10 identical copies of the same thing. And you don't care. I mean, you know, obviously at some point you're going to care why it failed, but you're less worried about like, oh, did I configure the operating system wrong? Was I missing a patch? It's like, no, it just died and was replaced and continued on. And I don't have to worry about like, did it somehow get into a bad state? You're just like rip and replace. You know, that's right. that's that's the you know utopia of cloud native is you don't worry, you know, cattle and pets. You don't worry about, you know, the 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 pet, you don't take your your operating system to the veterinarian shoot it in the head and you get 10 more puppies. Um, I don't know what the next metaphor there is. Cause like, you know, <laughs> chef and Terraform and chef would say, you know, that solution would be the pet. I'm sorry. That would be the cattle solution as well, but you're is, like, it hey, let's it make it simpler right. and let's right. make, let's just make a container now. Yeah. So, so the, the metaphor that, that stuck with me was you had pet, uh, pets versus cattle and right. then it turned into cattle versus ants. Okay. Ants being the containers? Is that, I don't yes. like, what, like, I need yes, like a yes. diagram. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and so, so if you're babysitting operating systems, you're still going to need a tool like Chef, Puppet, Ansible, that, you know, they're going to try to keep that thing into shape. Um, you know, ideally you're, you're, you're not ever logging into those boxes. You know, that's, that's kind of the old, uh, old world is, you know, you still have to, be concerned about long-lived instances, you know, and, and at Chef, we, we were always saying, you know, hey, you want to have as much of this as in code as possible. So when inevitably the VM dies or something, you can replace it. You know, we, we knew the utopia was, you know, container land um, of, you know, hey, we've got this immutable infrastructure. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about that for, you know, 10 years. But getting there with operating systems is painful. Right. And so Docker showed up on the scene and they're like, hey, quit, quit worrying about the operating system. It's all about your app. And I'm like, OK, that's cool. And, you know, the config management tools were geared up for fighting with your operating system, you know, for for getting for whipping things into shape. And, you know, so they didn't fit in that tool space. Right. So yeah. Docker reinvented the world, uh, you know, and config management tools were not for All right, that. So let world. me ask. So this has been very helpful, Matt. Now let me ask you if you would endorse this then. It's like, okay, maybe I'm going to call this like I'm pre Kubernetes. I have an app. It just runs on one server. It's fairly small, but I want to, you know, prepare for the future. Yes. Should I just go ahead? If I'm capable, I'm going to just build that in a container and then I'm just going to use Terraform, throw up my, throw up a server. And all I'm going to do on that server is, is start this one Docker, uh, start Docker and run this one container. That's it. And then yep. that's how I'm going to run the app. Do you think that is that a reasonable solution? People do that, yeah, for sure. Um, that is kind of <laughs> <laughs> I like I like I like the first part of the people do that is doing a lot of work in your first statement. But is it advisable? Like, or should or would be like, no, no, no. Yeah, you should I mean, do, going Kubernetes. Don't do it, the middle step there. It, it, it's it's future proofing your app because getting your app into the state where it can be packaged well is a lot of effort. And once you've got it into a container, yeah, Kubernetes is the next step. Um, okay. You don't you don't have to go that far. You know there right. there are plenty of infrastructures where people are like you know I put Docker engine on, on the machine and you know I just threw it on there and, and it runs. That's how Cisco switches work. I'm with you. No, okay. So now let's go back to where, where originally Kote brought us in here. So it's like okay. So now I got the thing running on a container. Maybe I do Kubernetes. But now but but now I'm sort of embracing you know this idea of functions and events. Yeah. Now at this moment, now if I'm getting to that level. 
Now should I be thinking K-native, right? Should I be looking at that and say like, let me look at what I have here and then adopt K-native as the deployment pattern going forward? Yeah, so so once you've kind of got your the idea that, oh, my application should have been you know, isolated as much as possible from the operating system, you start thinking, well, maybe my application should just stand alone and it doesn't need an operating system um, at all. And, and so you make that transition from Docker to serverless. You know, that, that's what the serverless in, it means is like, I don't want to think about the OS ever. Um, and so it's just the, that logic piece. And you know, that's, that's the promise of Lambda. You know, that's the promise of serverless. Azure Functions, you know, Google Cloud Run, that's what it is. And so Knative is the Kubernetes native way of doing that, um, which means, you know, if you're all in on AWS, Lambda's great, right? Um, you never have to leave your walled garden. Um, but the reality is, you know, multi-cloud, as we saw in the, the HashiCorp uh, report, is, uh, is still a thing. People like to run across uh, multiple infrastructures. Um, and so, and Kubernetes is going to give you that one operating system control plane or you know, your network operating system control plane across anything, anywhere. And so if you embrace Knative, you can run, you get that wherever you go. Right. And so that's the kind of sort of the highest level at that point. Like, you know, you have like what you originally said here. Now we've gotten rid of the server, the operating system, everything. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we're the electron of serverless. We are the, oh, there we go. <laughs> and there it is. And now we've just lost the entire listener base. But yes, yes, that would make. Okay. Um, so I think that that all, to me, that all makes sense. But I do think even on the container, right? I mean, I could just jam that container, at least in, I know you just said a Lambda, but like I could just jam it into Lambda at this point. Absolutely. Right? And, just say, and, you and can, just say, hey, and, I'm done. Works and done. And Knative is the same way, right? right? So you can you can pick yourself a nice serverless framework like serverless or, you know, there, there's there's dozens of them. You know, fat, you know, platforms as a service backed by Knative. There's a bunch of them. And, you know, you can do that where you just write your application logic and dump it off into this thing and it handles deploying it into Knative. Or, you know, you can build a container with the right API and push it into Knative and, you know, directly for yourself. So, you know, you have that option with Lambda too. Right. But I think back to the business benefit, when you've done that, right, what you really have done is you've just removed a whole nother set of maintenance burden. I mean, that's what that's the hope, right? That's you the get all this work. That's the like if we right. still remember why we're even building this app, having gone through these four steps and we have any idea of what it actually does, having worked on all the infrastructure for four years, we'd be like, well, the reason we did all this is now we don't have to worry about anything. And, and, server right. and, and if you're if you're on, on Knative or on Kubernetes, you're going to get all the benefits of Kubernetes, right. which are... And you're not going to ever have the like, oh, Windows 2000's end of life, and now I'm, you know, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, I have like well, a thousand applications. Definitely that. You know? Definitely that. But also, like, if you are running, you know, something serverless, you're like, well, I might need one, I might need 10,000. And right. so if you're backed by a big enough cluster, um, or, you know, the cloud, um, you can just be like, yeah, uh, this thing can handle batch processing. It can, you know, scale up, scale down automatically. That's that's the benefit of Knative is it's going to handle all that auto scaling for you, um, and you know, you know, keep everything provisioned and and you know not have and not have cold starts and you know it, it does a lot of that for you if you have you know bursty or or you know un unpredictable workloads, right. So, okay. So I, we all know where we want to go. We just know that, well, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of work yeah. to go from, maybe you just have an app that you're a pet, right? That you've been manually yeah. keeping up and you're trying to get all. And the that, there's a lot of pets out there. 
right? There's, there's, a, there's lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. There's a tremendous lot of, uh, amount of pets. A lot right? of pets. So some are going to make their way into configuration management. Some of them are going to make their way into, you know, hey, maybe we can package this thing up in Packer. And some of them are going to keep going down the line to, well, now I'm in Docker. And then eventually people will be like, why did, you know, why did my pet have, you know, all, you know, I didn't need an operating system anyway. Uh, this is just a Java app. You know, it's Spring Boot. I can just deploy that into, you know, Kubernetes or, you know, CNR or whatever it may be. And we're off to the races. Well, just in my own personal experience here, I feel like these are all great ideas. But as soon as I have to renew a uh, certificate using Let's Encrypt, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this: I'm on, I'm secure shelling into all these things and messing everything up, and it and it's not working at all. So, to, like to me, that that seems to be how you bring bring down. That's how you bring down applications I work with. You just expire a certificate. This show is brought to you by Clubhouse. Now, the name may be familiar, but today we're talking about Clubhouse, the project management service. And in a few weeks, Clubhouse will rename itself Shortcut. But until then, I want you to try Clubhouse.io. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? Most are either too simple or too complex, but Clubhouse changes that. Clubhouse offers project management built specifically for software teams that's fast, intuitive, and flexible. Clubhouse includes team-based workflows, allowing teams to use default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. Clubhouse also has support for roadmaps. With roadmaps, you can quickly tie your company-wide goals to the specific work that your teams are doing. With integrations with GitHub, GitLab, and Bitbucket, users can quickly update their status in Clubhouse right from the command line. Clubhouse also has full support for iteration planning and tracking. Simply set up your iteration priorities and then Clubhouse will automatically create your burndown charts and other reports. Try Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io slash SDT. Again, that's clubhouse.io slash SDT. And remember, in the coming weeks, Clubhouse will be known as Shortcut. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, that was very clarifying, Matt Ray. I think I think uh, I think I have a new set of questions. And uh, <laughs> but that's good. I think, you know, as always when it comes to these things, I think I just have to uh I have to see how people use this stuff. And uh, use cases. Since I don't program anymore, I can't just go poke at something. Yeah. Well, uh, do we have any bureaucracy this week, Brandon? Let's see. Uh, we did get uh, a little feedback here. I want to th- say thanks to um, Bro. I think it's Broan for uh, leaving us a funny and smart interview in the Apple Podcast reviews from South Africa. So he called us funny and smart, and I really appreciate that. And I hadn't seen a new review in a while, so. So yeah, if you, if if the the moment hits you, if the creative writing moment you feel like you need something to do, go go write us a nice iTunes review. And uh, if you do that, or if you don't do that, all you have to do if you want a sticker is to send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Always a nice treat for yourself or others. You know, school is starting up back up at some places, and it might be a good first day gift for your your kids to give a teacher to show their appreciation and really establish that relationship uh, from the get-go. They're very attractive. First show and tell, you got something to talk about. Yeah, my, my, uh, my parental unit gave me this sticker, which they acquired for free. Um, it is die cut and has words on it. There's a lovely selection of colors and it sticks to things optionally. That would be a really hot show and tell. Just a good way to uh, cement your socialness there. So uh, there's also some conferences coming up. You know, it's actually pretty soon here, I was realizing. Uh, Less than a fortnight 
I was talking with uh, one of my coworkers. We have the Spring One uh, conference coming up, September 1st and 2nd. A uh, lot of fun stuff going on there. I've got a fun panel I've been working on with my panelists about, uh, I don't know, how you can use all this whiz-bang stuff to do interesting stuff in various industries like healthcare and uh, finance, which should be fun. Many, many other things. Also, uh, about a month after that, on October 4th, we've got the DevOps Loop Conference coming up, which uh, you know I helped put together the agenda. So that one's going to be really great. We've got a lot of uh, fun things there. But you can go to both of those for free. If you go to springone.io or devopsloop.io, .io is all around and uh, you should check those out. Also back there in Austin, uh, which is soon to be overflowing with lumber from Amsterdam, uh, <laughs> there's there's that conference, which is going to be January 17th and 20th uh, that you should go check out. And then uh, another event is the DevOps World by Cloud Bees, September 28th to 30th, a virtual event as all of these except the that conference are, as as I recall. And uh the upcoming Lumberfest will also be in person, not <laughs> not virtual. Because that would defeat the point of getting this lumber the fuck out of my house. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. That would be great if I could if I could do a reverse three D printer and do a <laughs> a one do. a two D printer into Minecraft to get you, rid you of this post, lumber. You, you post yeah, yeah, you posted on Market Plots as an educational tool, real-world Minecraft for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> a good, a good, uh, a good start of school. To, yes. uh, get and we'll put software-defined talk stickers on every every piece of lumber. And nice. <laughs> get a good twofer. All right. Well, this week, what do you have to recommend, Brandon? I'm going to recommend The White Lotus, which is uh, a series that just finished up on HBO. I think it's seven episodes. So I liked it. It was uh, good. If you're kind of uh, Big Little Lies, kind of interested, or I think Nicole Kidman had a, another series on HBO. Like I said, I don't know. I don't really know what the difference between a drama and a dark comedy is, but I've heard it described mm. as both. I, I don't know what the uh, official Webster's would tell you that. So, um, but I liked it. I thought it was good. It was sort of, it was really interesting. Um you know, kind of dark humor, if you're interested in that, or more like a drama. So it's, uh, it's the premise is pretty simple. It's about a group of uh, people that end up going on vacation at this resort in Hawaii, and just lots of interesting things happen. So if you're looking for something to watch, it's all done so you can stream it all. I saw the ending because I wasn't, I didn't want to recommend it until I'd seen the ending because sometimes these things go off the rails. But I thought it ended fine. I lost. And it, was, and it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, like just, yeah. One day we're going to do that episode for two hours where we complain about loss, but that's not today. But The White Lotus is good. So check it out. It's, uh, it's on HBO. It's good to watch. Now, how many how many episodes are we talking about here? I think it's seven. I see. I think it's seven, seven total. Yep, and they're yeah. like an hour, like fifty minutes, something like that. So just a, just a minor investment in having a good time. Sounds like what's happening there. That's that's good. Well, how about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Uh, my I, my first recommendation is uh, just recorded our second episode of the Cloud Native AF podcast uh, with James Urquhart. So. We talked a little bit about flow architectures and uh, event-based stuff. Um, check out the podcast. Uh, I actually enjoyed the interview quite a bit. And uh, he's got a book if you want to get into that mindset about how uh, things are going to be moving between systems. Uh, so um, definitely enjoy the book and the interview. Uh, that Put that in the show notes, cloudnativeaf.com. Just talked about. Yeah. And uh, my, my other pick is uh, all this talk about uh, seasonings. 
uh, reminded me, uh, I got some of the Mitani chicken salt. So chicken salt's an Australian thing. Mm. Um, mm. And I threw it on some eggs and it was, it was so good. Um, so Wait, uh, I need more. Like, is it, is it just some variation of salt or like, what, like, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I'm afraid when you, when you say it's, it's the Australian version, it can, like, I, it can mean a lot. Like what, what's in this? What, what's in it? Um, I believe it's probably got uh, some onion powder, onion flakes, maybe, mm-hmm. and some garlic uh, and salt, obviously. Uh, no veggie might I, though, right? If it does have veggie might, I'm out. Something in it is giving it a little bit of umami, mm-hmm. uh, but okay. it, it's it's definitely tasty. And uh, Australians put it on on uh, on their chips, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously fried chicken. And looking at their website, you can put it on your uh, popcorn and your salt and pepper yeah. squid, your steak. Uh, so it's a, uh, according to their website, it is truly an all-purpose seasoning, and it's the old uh, day it's, of it's, Australia. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what I yes. was going to say. Yes. <laughs> and absolutely no MSG added. So there you go. How how's uh, how's how's Foodland? Is that a good store in Australia, Matt Ray? It says that I could buy it at Foodland, which looks like an IGA company. Uh, they do have IGAs. Uh, that's probably my uh-huh. third or fourth choice of grocery stores. <laughs> You're you're more of a Woolworths person, Woolies. Yes, Woolies. Yeah, yeah. That's good, huh? Isn't there some country song about a girl who like works at a Woolworths and like meets someone, or or is that that Dixie Chick song? I get a, I'm, I'm confused. Huh? Wonder if I can get this here. Wonder if there's like Australian expat stores, like there's American ones. <sighs> that would here. be there. That would be their thing. Mm, mm. Well. Uh, so my recommendation, also in the uh, the Cuisinart area, I think I, I think I might have mentioned microwaves uh, last episode or sometime. And uh, you know, originally I bought a very now. Yeah, I mentioned that you can get microwaves now that are air fryers and they're like miniature ovens. A lot a lot has happened. So we bought one of these, and the thing was massive. I didn't even take it out of the box. And I realized what I wanted was just a, uh, a very simple microwave. So I there's this company here in the Netherlands called cool blue. And they're kind of like, they're an electronic store. And sometimes they deliver same day. Some guy, some person comes by on a buck feet, little cargo bike and drops things off. But anyways, I ordered it from them and I want to recommend, uh, we've been using it for a while and it definitely fits the bill of just like the simplest microwave possible. Uh, and it is the sharp RD, no, the sharp R two zero DS. Let me let me put this in here and I'll have it in the show notes. And it has it has two dials on it. It has one dial that sets your power all the way from 130 to 800. And then it's got another one that sets your time. And uh, that's all it does. It just microwaves. It's uh, very simple and straightforward. And I went through and when I was looking for these simple microwaves, the descriptions on them are are great. And I think this one... Uh, this one has, oh, this one is, has the best one. I'm going to read, not the whole thing. I'll put a link to it. You can read the the whole description if you want, but there's two part that this is the part that really sold me on this microwave. The, the, you know, we're all talking about marketing <clears throat> just think about how this copy they're trying to target the people want something simple. And it says, after a long day at work, just place your meal on the turntable Select one of the five power settings, enter the required wattage, and enjoy your hot meal within minutes. And that's that's it. That's all it does. It's not going <laughs> to fry anything. There's another another one. I don't think I ordered this one, but it noted that uh, it was really great. You know, you come home and you just want to uh, defrost a stew and eat it. And uh, also that it's good for the uh, the elderly. But if you're just looking for a little microwave, 
to be a microwave. That's what you need to get the Sharp R20DS. Well, I'm pretty sure right now, Cote, there's like somebody is like, you know what we need to do with this microwave? We need to throw an air fryer in it because that's what people really want. And then they're going to, you know what's going to run? It's all going to be managed via electron. So you better enjoy that microwave while you can. Why it just yeah. does one yeah. thing really, really well because it's, it's not going to last long. I mean, I mean, to your point, I realized in, in looking through microwaves, right, that you, the way of doing enterprise software, uh, like positioning and stuff like is reflected in microwaves, right? Like on the one, there's like the people who want just like fully loaded stuff and you just go full bore talking about how awesome that is. And then you're like, there's this other part of the market who doesn't want all that bullshit. And so we're not even going to pretend that we are, we are like, we're not we're not even competing with that we're just like hey you just want one button right <laughs> like like you know that you could get other stuff and learn how to do it but like you just want your stew like you don't want anything complicated and they just uh, i love how they embrace it it's good stuff so there you go sharp r20ds <laughs> heat up your shit is is what <laughs> that that would be my tagline <laughs> heat up your shit real simple like well speaking of uh heating things up this has been another episode of Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, including a link to my new favorite microwave that I might just be giving all the nieces and nephews for Christmas next year, uh, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 316, not to be confused with the Sharp R20DS. And uh, you can get the show notes, other things we haven't mentioned. You can join our Slack channel, see what's going on during the week, lively little community. And if you uh, haven't been enjoying us live streaming this, we have a video uh, that we live stream usually on Thursday evenings for me, Friday mornings for Matt, and some very pleasant Thursday afternoon for uh, Brandon. Uh, But you should check that out. Just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and you can find all that stuff. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, but my uh, my mother, when she came over here, she bought brought me two big, two big. It's plastic now, but two big of those those boxes of Old Bay seasoning, and boy, it's nice. <laughs> Just put that on everything. They got these. They got these. I should have had this be my intro, but Love they it. have these 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 Albert Heinz salads, which we <laughs> uh, we ordered nine of um, mistakenly, and I swear these these there is something missing from these salads. Like, I don't know if it's salt or flavor, but there's always something missing. And today I just, I almost open up that side of the spicing. That's a big hole instead of a bunch of little like holes. Right. And I just like poured the old bay on it and it was tolerable to like have, have some kind of seasoning. Has, has anyone ever tried to figure out how to replicate the, uh, the old I'm bay sure seasoning? Somewhere, somewhere no? someone has. Yeah. But y'all, y'all don't sit there like trying to figure that out. Like, Definitely uh, not. As, no, okay. I'm working on card line. I don't have time for old bay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say about Old Bay. I just think it's funny, like here you are in Europe, like I don't know, the bastion of like the world's cuisine, and you're like, God, I just need some Old Bay over here and some tacos. <laughs> I've, like, I've had my fill of cream and potatoes. I wonder if anyone from France listens to this and is like, I can't believe Cote. Like, we may have to kick him out of Europe. We may <laughs> just like, just, I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I'll eat good salted French butter all day long, right out of the tub. But like, you know, <laughs> give me some Old Bay. I, I need some other stuff. Give me too. some old beta put in this in this butter. <laughs> uh, wow, that was a good idea. And mix that up, put that on a it steak. Does actually, you know, as I say it, like, yeah, sounds like pretty good. That'd be a pretty good yeah. dip. So. Yeah, like kind of just do some fresh garlic into there and uh pow. <laughs>